What's up, everyone, and welcome to Roots of Humanity, a podcast that celebrates the beautiful people and culture of our world. My name is Drew Binsky. I'm a world traveler and content creator who has spent the past 12 years traveling to all 197 countries in the world. In episode number 18 of Roots of Humanity, I talked to Oscar and Dan from Sweden, travel YouTubers and pioneers for LGBT digital nomads. What is it like to visit Saudi Arabia as a gay couple? Their answers may surprise you and hopefully inspire you to travel outside of your comfort zone. In a country like Saudi Arabia, people would assume that we are everything before assuming we're LGBT. At just 25 years old, Oscar and Dan have traveled full-time to more than 90 countries, with Uganda and the Middle East being some of their favorite destinations. On the topic of Sweden, they talk about IKEA, meatballs, and why so many people confuse Sweden with Switzerland. They talk refugees, airlines, passports, Western versus Eastern values, and much more. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get into it. Oscar and Dan, what's going on? Hey, Drew. Hey, Drew. hey everyone. <laughs> so cool to finally meet you. Yeah, like this. this is amazing. Yeah. We have to say on behalf of every traveler who has ever watched a YouTube video and has probably come across you, thank you so much for inspiring so many travelers and for pushing people to go places outside their comfort zones. It's just, we all owe a little bit of our travel spark to you, I yes. guess. So. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's crazy to think I've been doing this for seven years now. It's it's weird. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate the compliment. Um, I don't get compliments like that very often. Usually people on the street are just like, hey, man, love your travel videos. But the, what, what you just said just like, you know, hit a different level. So thank true. you. No, but it is more significant it. than just, you know, any travel videos. You've really yeah. done a lot of cool stuff. And for travel yeah. creators, too. Like, yeah. you've paved the way for so many. So, yeah. Go Drew. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are creators. I've seen your YouTube. It's cool. I love it. It's fun. When did you start and how did you get inspired? I have had a channel where I review airlines, which is my big passion for a long, long time. And that's been my job, full-time job since 2019. But I've been making money since back in 2014 when I was in high school. So as that was growing, we thought it's a very natural sort of expansion to want to show what happens in between. And also we we were traveling full time at that point and we didn't have any doc like we weren't documenting anything so we thought this is such a waste of our entire lives not recording you know our reflections and all these little moments that we're gonna forget so we wanted it or also sort of as a diary to look back on so amazing to be able to look back at what we've said in the past you know and I think you can agree with that like just where your mind was at at that point in time right and how you reacted to something that you're going to react to completely differently, you know, further down the line because you have more experience or whatever, right? So it's just, yeah, that's why we wanted to do it. You, you guys have been to 92 countries together? Yes. That's impressive. <laughs> How old are you? We're, we just turned 25. 25. That's great. I, let's see. When I was 25, I had left Korea. I was traveling in India. I was at like 75 countries when I was 25. Wow. That's, are you at the end of 25 or the beginning? Because I think... I, that year of 25, I traveled to like 20 countries, so it depends on when. It was, uh, how many months ago is that? Three months, Three ago, months ago, we turned 25. Yeah. That's cool. You got, you're on a great path. Are you trying to hit all 197? Well, that was the original plan, <laughs> sort of inspired by you, of course. And you make it seem so easy online because you share, you know, you share, oh, this is what I did here. And you obviously don't share all the challenges. Um, Although you do share quite a lot. I'm, yeah. I mean, you've been very transparent about it, but yeah, I mean, it yeah. is... 
a lot more of an undertaking than people yes. think, I think. Yeah, and even at 92, you hear people say, well, the first 100 are easy or whatever. But even now, we've had some trips that have been challenging to the point where we're like, I don't think we can mentally manage <laughs> 197, maybe 180 yeah. or so. But though that last, you know, number of really challenging countries it's like do you want to keep your sanity or do you want to go to one yeah and it's also like i mean it sounds stupid because i mean we are only 25 but still like the older you get the more comfortable you get as well right like you get Mm -hmm. sort of you get you you're not as willing to put up with just anything right yeah i mean once you get into like the yemens and the libyas and the syrias and afghanistans hit me up for advice anytime i'm happy to help but those countries are really enriching when you get to go and get to really experience the culture it's amazing and some of my favorite videos or experiences are in those countries but i think you know have you finished europe i'm sure you have i mean the the awful thing is that we didn't make it to belarus ukraine or russia in time (laughs) yeah (laughs) Every time people have one country left in Europe, it's yeah. always Belarus or Moldova. Yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we hurried to go to Moldova this summer. It was country um, 90s, so we just yeah. ticked it. But it's pretty much every country in Europe besides those three, which is... We have, know, we have our map up here. Yeah, we're That's why we're looking at, at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. I have a map in my office, too. You could go to Belarus now. My friend is there. Russia or Ukraine, I don't know. But Belarus, you can go yeah. to. I mean, I think yeah. you can technically go to Russia, too. But since we still have quite a few countries left, we, we we're not thought, in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go there eventually. For sure. So let's we'll come back to traveling and content creation. But let's talk about your roots, because this podcast is called Roots of Humanity. So I kind of dive deep into cultural identity. So you, as I understand, both of you are from Sweden. That's long story short. Yeah, I'm I'm completely Swedish, born and raised here. Uh, Your story is a bit more complicated. So my dad is American. He's from New York. I was actually born in London and I lived there until I was nine. Then my parents got divorced and my dad moved back to New York and I moved to Sweden with my mom. She's from here. So I've lived in Sweden since I was seven, but I've always had sort of the perspectives of two very different places New York City is all about, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Dream big, do big things. And Sweden is very about do enough and be satisfied. (laughs) So it's two like polar opposite mentalities, um, which is it's very interesting to get that perspective. And of course, yeah, I, I agree. I was just in Sweden and just like everywhere in scandinavia they just enjoy their leisure time like nobody else on this freaking planet (laughs) like every single i was there in the sunshine every single park was so full all the boats on the river were full all the cafes were full and in the u.s like nobody sits outside to eat even if it's a perfect day we always sit inside yeah i mean i'm not gonna say always but like in europe i mean in sweden like if it's nice outside no restaurant will have a single person in- indoors by the way this is not a bad thing it's just an observation uh-huh. no but like, it's completely Swedish true people- like and starting in like april you know as soon as it hits like 12 degrees celsius outside everyone's yeah. Yeah. like you know taking their shirts off like trying to get as much vitamin d as possible it's like by the way for my americans 12 is still cold it's like 55 degrees or something yeah. so that's still pretty cold yeah <laughs> It's like not warm at all. <laughs> it was always like in the spring when we went to school, it was always a very difficult evaluation. When is it acceptable to wear shorts? Yeah. I was like, oh, today it's 59 degrees Fahrenheit or like 15 degrees Celsius. It's sunny. I guess I could, but will people judge me? So it was around then when people would start. But it was wearing. also kind of like if you're not wearing shorts in May, like you cannot not wear shorts in May, like regardless of the weather, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I went to University of Wisconsin, so that's like the coldest state in America. Mm. So Mm. I know all about living in 
you know, the frozen tundra and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So you're from Gothenburg, right? Yes. yes. Second biggest city. In Swedish, it's like Gothenburg. How do you say it? Göteborg. Göteborg. Oh, so that's like a Y, like Göteborg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it was my first time there, fourth time in Sweden. Uh, I've only been to like Mamo and Stockholm and some other places around Stockholm mm-hmm. before. Uh, I really liked it. I, it was a beautiful drive up the coast, up the western, southwestern coast of mm. Sweden. Um, some really, really long bridges. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the city was cool. It's the second biggest city in Sweden. Yeah, right? but yeah. it's definitely not. It, it's very far under Stockholm in terms of what you can do here, the international presence, that type of thing. Every time we go to Stockholm, we just go, wow, mm. we wish our families lived here. Because yeah. it's like being in a quaint village, even though it's the second biggest city. Which is nice some, sometimes, but it's like, if you're more internationally minded, I guess... It's kind of like it holds you back a little bit. And even I'd say Malmö, which is the thir- third biggest city, since it's so close to Copenhagen, yeah. it's it almost feels more international mm-hmm. than Gothenburg does, although it's a lot smaller. You know, I agree. Gothenburg's kind of isolated, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, if Stockholm is New York, Gothenburg is like Nashville or like a like. <laughs> sort a, of. Yeah, I guess. Because even though it's the second biggest city, but it's still it's like I didn't see a single tourist there. Not one. And I mean, yes, we just finished COVID, like uh, whatever, but maybe there was a few. I just didn't notice them if, if there were some. Yeah, we've noticed like this somewhere. We've noticed a lot of uh, German, Dutch, Danish cars driving through the city. And we think they're all just going to Norway. <laughs> yeah, they're not really. Because <laughs> it's on the way. You're halfway between Oslo and Copenhagen, right? Yeah. Uh, I took my 85-year-old grandparents there. It was actually their first time in Europe. Wow. And I have a video coming soon. I, I documented it. Wow. They've never been to Europe. Yeah. Wait, so where did you take them? Well, my grandma has a good fr- a Danish friend that she used to work with like 50 years ago. So she stayed in touch with her. They're like good friends. So she lives in Aalborg in the very northern part of Denmark. So we, we just did Denmark and Sweden because they can't walk very well. And I didn't want to take them to like a place that you have to walk a lot like Berlin or Paris. So I figured we can just do Copenhagen and Sweden. You know, those two cities and countries are very elderly friendly, uh, very safe, very clean. You know, it's I thought it would be a good experience for them and, and they loved it. So my grandma's still texting me like that was the best trip of my Aww, life. So. That's so sweet. I can't wait to see that because it's so unique that Denmark and Sweden would be someone's first countries in Europe, especially for an American. So yeah. so to hear yeah. their impressions of that will be will be interesting. Yeah, it's a, it'll be a fun video. I documented the whole thing. I mean, they've been to like all over the Caribbean, Mexico, Canada. I think they've been to Colombia, but they've never been to Europe. And when I visited them in their home in Dallas, like six months ago, I said, Grandma, I really want to take you to Europe. And she was like, oh my God. So <laughs> yeah, we just flew them here and it was me, Deanna, my wife yeah. and my grandparents and my dog. And we just <laughs> oh, rented a car and went around. Amazing. Sorry, I want to ask you a question. As a visitor to Sweden and Scandinavia, what, what is your impression of the people? Like completely honestly, do you find people to be very welcoming or rude they're cool they're cool they're kind of hip they're they all speak perfect english which is you know i'm used to everything i'm used to nobody speaking english Mm -hmm. i'm used to people speaking really good english as a traveler it's kind of cool when you can like literally just strike up a conversation with anyone and they're and they don't speak like broken english they speak english like both of you which is it's cool there's only a few there's only a few non-english speaking countries non-native speaking english countries that are like that i would say iceland sweden norway uh, um, Netherlands. What am I missing? <laughs> Denmark. Yeah, it's basically Northern Europe. Yeah. yeah, it's just Northern Europe that you guys. Germany. I mean, but not really. If you go out of the big cities, it's not really like that in Germany, and it's definitely not like it here in Prague. I mean, you just have a very select people that speak good English, and the rest just don't won't even try. So 
that it's cool and the people are nice the food is good i mean i don't know the place it okay i know where in, in gothenburg um there's that one little square it's on the river um it's where there's like a indoor shopping center yeah. it's a touristy yeah. thing yeah. there's like a, it's like a food it's like a food shopping center oh yeah yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. it's yeah. an indoor market yeah yeah there's a bunch of cafes right around it like there's one right next to it it was recommended with the best meatballs. I don't know. I, I found that online. But I literally walked into Ikea just because I wanted to. Like, we were driving, and I was like, all right, I have to go to Ikea just to see what it's like. We brought our dog inside, and the lady was like, no dogs. And we were like, he's a service animal. In the U.S., and he's a lot, like, anywhere mm. with a service animal by law. And in Europe, they just don't care. They're like, oh, are you blind? I was like, no, I'm not blind. And they said, get out. <laughs> oh, so. oh God. I feel like people need to know that, that it's okay to go to Ikea just to have the meatballs or whatever. Like, just go to the restaurant because we do that too. And we, we do that in Sweden and abroad, you know? Like, whenever we feel like we need a dose of Sweden, we just go to have great. food at Ikea. Like, yeah. No, we take everyone who visits us to Ikea because it's like a, <laughs> it's a thing you should do. do in Sweden. So even though they can go at home, you should go here. And Ikea varies everywhere. Like... When we lived in South Korea, we went to an Ikea, or they have the world's biggest Ikeas in Seoul. So we went to Ikea there expecting to get some <laughs> Swedish meatballs or something. And then it's like, wait, why do they only have kimchi fried rice, curry pork? This is not <laughs> Ikea food. <laughs> yeah. But it's obviously catered. It's like McDonald's. Yeah. So that was, the most, that was the most Swedish thing that was said in this whole conversation. <laughs> you guys were like obsessing over Ikea. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's fantastic. Like, what do you like about Sweden? How do you, when you travel as a Swedish person, how does it feel to represent Sweden? It's kind of an unknown country. Like, I don't know, was it 5 million people in Sweden? I don't know. 10 million? 10 million. 10 million. 10 million. Yeah. It's not unknown, but just talk, tell me about Sweden. Well, Go ahead. I mean, first of all, it really depends on where you are. But if we're in the US, especially the first response to when we say that we're from sweden is always oh my god i love switzerland it's one of my favorite <laughs> countries on earth so that's the first thing or it's or, like whoa i love swedish watches and swedish chocolate and it's like no we're like oh i think you're thinking of a different country honey but yeah yeah no it's so that's that's usually the reaction in the u.s but i think in general we're very lucky because either no one will know where sweden is and they'll just be like you know nodding politely and smiling but they have no idea where to place it or they will have a very positive perception of it because sweden is generally it has branded itself very well i think um so people Mm -hmm. generally have a very positive view of the country so in that sense when we say we're from sweden you know we're very lucky to get a good response but that it sort of shifted a little bit during the pandemic because, no. as you know, oh, Sweden yeah. was like not <laughs> really doing much. So people had a different perception then. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, actually, just in the past year, we have a lot of refugees in Sweden. About 10% of our population arrived here quite recently. We have about 500,000 plus refugees from very recently, which is a huge part, part of our population. And it's causing a lot of issues in a previously homogenous country like Sweden. So there have been a lot of um, clashes between police and around different, especially Muslim issues. So in the Arabic world, when we travel now, the reaction from just one or two years ago is very different. Because there have been all these stories in the news about Sweden doing different, quote-unquote, anti islamic things that suddenly have made every many people in the middle east dislike us so previously we were quite neutral or people you know didn't have any opinion but now 
this spring. We were in Palestine, for example. We had people yelling at us, Sweden steals Muslim babies. They steal, you steal babies from their parents. And we go, okay, we don't do that. So <laughs> that happened at some yeah. point. And we have very different customs in Sweden. Or there was this spring, there was some guy who tried to, some An for ex- some reason, the extremist police. Extremist asshole. Yeah, a right-wing extremist got permission from the police to burn a Quran, which is in the name of freedom of speech. That's the motivation the Swedish police gave for allowing it. Of course, that didn't go over very well. So that was also a huge story in the Middle East, how the Swedish police is condoning burning Qurans, which is not really what happened, but it's, it's caused a lot of these very sort of controversial things to happen in Sweden that haven't been happening previously. Thanks for bringing that up, I actually did notice a lot of Muslim influence in Sweden. And I do know that when the Syria war was happening in 2015, Sweden took a lot. I think there's a bunch of Afghans up there as well over the years. And now Ukrainians, I'm sure there's a lot of Ukrainians in Sweden. Maybe not. That's kind of far for them to go. We, we have Ukraine. a few. Um, I mean, Sweden yeah. has welcomed them, but I, for some, I don't think it's their country of choice or the first place yeah. they go. But yeah, we have a lot of Somalis also, Eritreans. That's a great country. Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump back over to countries. So you mentioned Palestine. Uh, I love Palestine and Israel. I think it's a fascinating place. Um, I saw on your Instagram, you were in Saudi Arabia. That was my final country that I finished in October of last year. What was your experience like in Saudi Arabia? It was multifaceted. <laughs> Highs uh, and lows. <laughs> yeah, no, it was obviously a very very fascinating trip like definitely one of the most fascinating that we've ever had and just like for you we thought it was going to be one of our last countries and then we sort of kind of did an express or we did it earlier than we thought because yeah how do we put this i mean it's just that some countries we want to go to before we become too well known just so that we sort of tick them off and a place saudi arabia is a place like that where we would kind of want to lay low going there together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, your Instagram's growing fast in, in your YouTube, so yeah. keep that going, by the way. <laughs> don't ever don't ever let anything stop you. But as I understand, Saudi Arabia is not LGBT friendly, so there's a lot of difficulties traveling there for, for lots of people, um, even females. So you, you didn't come across any big hiccups? Well, I think, I don't know if you've noticed this, but one thing we've learned is that I would say the more conservative the country, the more likely they are to... I mean, everyone uses their frames of reference, right? So in a country like Saudi Arabia, people would assume that we are everything you can imagine before assuming, you know, that we're LGBT. So they would assume we're brothers, friends, colleagues. And as long as we don't give them any reason not to believe that, it's not really a problem. So if you just lay low and you kind of... And if someone asks, you go, yeah, we're friends or, I mean, stepbrothers, whatever it may be, yeah. then then that's fine because they would never doubt it. It doesn't matter what how you're dressed or whatever. 99% of people, at least those who don't have, who haven't traveled extensively in Europe, wouldn't assume anything else. Yeah. And as you know, like in those kind of conservative countries too, they tend to value privacy a lot. So they're not really going to like, you know, pry pry or like ask you leading questions or whatever like i think a lot of people um a lot of lgbt people people are very scared that you know people are going to like question them or whatever when you come to a conservative conservative country which is totally a valid fear to have but it's just not like that at all so and and i mean i'm sure as 
you had the same experience that so many preconceptions of Saudi Arabia were broken when you went there. And I mean, immediately when we landed at the airport, we flew into Riyadh. We were like, okay, so what do we do, you know, with women? Do we avoid, you know, eye contact? How does that work? And then we get to the immigration desk and 50% of the desks are manned by women. So then we go, okay, I assume we have to go up to a male at the immigration desk. No, they sent us two different women to have our passport checked. So the woman, she takes my passport. She goes, oh, I've never met anyone from Sweden before. She flips through my passport. (laughs) Have you ever, you've never been to Saudi Arabia before? I go, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. Oh, why not? Why is this your first time here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was so yeah. nice. So we we were had a full on conversation. Meanwhile, you go to the U.S. or you go to yeah. other countries, and you'll get harassed in immigration. Or so immediately, yeah. so many preconceptions about so many things were were broken. As you were walking around Saudi Arabia, you didn't notice anybody staring oddly, or I mean, you could walk in the street as friends, or you know, I I travel with a male person all the time, so. It's, it's like people ask me the Jewish question. They're like, oh, you travel as a Jew to Somalia, but I don't really, I don't really wear like a Jewish star on my yeah. shirt. So nobody like technically knows I'm Jewish. It's, is it kind of the same yeah. thing or not really? Yeah. You could say that. Yeah. I mean, and... I think that if people are staring at us, we always assume it's because we look like outsiders rather than Just anything else. Yeah. You know, it's like you go to a Desi country and you expect that Everywhere you go, people will be staring at you because that's the culture, right? Some cultures, people don't stare. Right. But but if people are staring where we go, we just assume it's a cultural thing. I guess mm. we wouldn't know otherwise. But And to be fair, people stare um, a lot in Sweden as well. So. Yeah, people, we're, used <laughs> we're used to people to staring a yeah. lot here. We didn't feel uncomfortable in that sense. I would say the reason we did feel uncomfortable is more the general vibe we got that you can't really say what you want while you're here because... Every time we would, we managed to connect with a lot of locals through our Instagram, and every time we would speak to them, they would all sort of be whispering. Like you get even in public or behind closed doors, they would keep their voices down. And especially if it was any topic around religion or something, people would really whisper, which just immediately gives you the vibe that okay, I need to whisper, even not completely express myself while I'm here, because that's what these people are doing. So you just kind of adjust. So. So that was just the general thing that kept made us feel a bit like uneasy that even behind closed doors, what can we say to each other? What can we say on the phone? Those types of things. And obviously this wasn't the first very conservative country we've been to either. And we've been traveling to more conservative countries since we were quite young, which is, I mean, it's been to our advantage because we've sort of learned what we can do, what we can't do uh in public or even behind closed doors because you sort of need to develop the habits of uh, sort of containing who you are a little bit which is very sad that it has to be that way but it's kind of like the trade-off we have to take in order to be able to do what we do right that's a good point it's all about trade-offs right like there's good there's bad there's push and pull in the end you'll go places you'll have different experiences but you'll always i'm sure you guys would agree that the people are always amazing and you always find ways to connect with locals and find cool spots that you didn't know existed and you'll find that throughout the middle east once you guys go to Mm -hmm. iran and iraq and syria which i'm excited for those trips and please let me know when you do go i'll point i'll connect you with some people you'll also realize that i mean islam has certain rules and restrictions that you won't find in other religions or cultures but 
it's deeply rooted and it's been there for thousands of years and, the, and that's just how they live. So you just got to respect it. Speaking of countries like Saudi Arabia, do you have any plans to go to other conservative countries in the near future? Um, so, so we were planning a trip to Brunei very soon, which was interrupted due to the current passport shortage all over the world. <laughs> yeah, getting a new passport right now is not the easiest <laughs> there's quite long lines right so um you should explain why <laughs> well yeah i mean i mean everyone's been applying at the same time after covid right yeah so but, the lines are super long but the problem is that brunei is the only country in the world as far as we can tell that requires you to have six empty pages in your passport so that's that's a problem which for is quite us. a lot coming from like one of the smallest countries in asia it's kind of yeah but yeah. so oscar's down to four or three so we won't make it there, but... Yeah. Um, I've put, like, post-it notes in my passport at this point. Like, don't stamp this page. I do that too. I, but please don't stamp smiley face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I should add a smiley face. That's good. When you enter an immigration, uh, any immigration, you, and you you should pre-pick where you want them to stamp and smile at them and just say, hey, can you please stamp on page 47? And nine out of 10 times, they will do it. And one out of 10, they won't, either won't listen or just try to be a smart ass and stamp yeah, a different yeah. page. <laughs> yeah. Nine out of 10 is good. That's, yeah. That makes it worth it. I mean, I've, I've asked like four or five times at this point and every time they've been like super good about it. I was kind of like, before I did it the first time, I was like, can I really ask them to stamp a specific page? Like the very Swedish part mm -hmm. of me was like, I can't, I can't do that. That's not good. <laughs> But then, like, I was like, okay, I just gotta do it. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's kind of a boss move to be like, I'm telling you <laughs> what to yeah, do. Know, right? Put yourself in their shoes for a second. They sit for hours and hours and they see hundreds of people and it's really repetitive. So the moment that you, you know, smile at them and say something and ask them something, it makes their day, honestly. If you just... It's like when you when you check in for the flight, you should always like make a compliment to the the man or the lady that's checking in your flight. You just say something really nice, and they get really yeah. happy. And usually, my bags are overweight, but I never check mm -hmm. them, so I don't I don't want them to weigh my bags. I'm sure it's the same for you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you use backpacks or or my gosh, like, don't ask us this. <laughs> don't, don't out us like this. Okay, let me ask another question. How many bags do you check? Well, it depends how long the trip is. <laughs> yeah. But if we're going for less than a month, we'll share one check-in bag. But the reason, I mean. We just really prefer a check-in bag because we've tried traveling with backpacks, but we're just like not into the whole <laughs> lugging around like 18 kilos. It's, a, it's okay to say we're, we're, we're comfortable. We're comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> we tr yeah, we tried backpacking right after high school. Yeah. Um, one interrail trip that was enough for us to discover that we're not cut out for it. <laughs> and we realized that the roller bag isn't a problem 99% of the time. Like you can usually work it out without too much of a hassle. Unless it starts snowing outside, but you probably won't travel in the snow. I say that because I was in Siberia yes. right before mm. the war, and uh, I was there in the middle of winter, and I had to have a, another bag because all the winter clothes, and I had to wheel it through snow and carry it through snow, and it was, yeah. it was brutal. <laughs> I, yeah, that would have been tough. But I, I wanted to go back just to what we were talking about with different conservative countries before, because I think many LGBT people are very scared to travel anywhere where the law is against them which which i understand but what we've learned is that in many of these countries where the law says one thing the reality is very different i mean especially in much of the gulf absolutely there's like complete parallel societies where people are doing everything you can imagine right yes you have to be respectful and conservative in public but then people couldn't care less what you do behind closed doors the only thing that really makes us a little worried is when you go to a country where you know that the government is still enforcing the laws 
which is actually quite rare. Saudi Arabia is one of those places. We don't know to what extent they're enforced to tourists because there haven't really been many cases of that yet. But in general, we know that uh, a lot of the Sharia law mm-hmm. is still enforced in Saudi Arabia. There are a few other countries like that. But then most countries, even where you know that in general people are quite against it, like in Uganda, as long as you lay low, there's always friendly people. There's always people of, you know, Western exposures and understand, you know, what is seen as normal in the West and are okay with that. Yeah. So it's usually, you know, there's usually not a reason to be nervous. Yeah, I think... Like in Saudi Arabia, to, to continue that example, they know that you're tourists and they know that you're not from there and they know that you're not Muslim. So I feel like the law that they have applies to Saudi residents and I'm guessing other Muslim tourists. So I think there's a little bit of leeway if you're if you're just not from there and clearly you're visiting. They're trying to push tourism into Saudi a lot. Like You know that they're trying to have like 10 million visitors a year by 20. I don't know what year. But in doing that, they have to understand, like I heard that Mecca might open up to tourists, might open up to non-Muslims. And, you know, Al-Ula, did you guys go to Al-Ula? Yes. One of the hotels there is going to start serving liquor because it's all tourists and they want to cater to tourists. So I think we're, we're seeing some rapid changes as we're speaking. Yeah. And it's all for the better, right? I mean, if they're going to open the door to tourists, they have to understand they're going to get all kinds of people, you know, black, white, gay, straight, Chinese, American, Latino, you know, everything. So if you want people to come in, you got to understand that you're going to have to give people what they want or they're not going to come back. (laughs) I also think that people, this is sort of a crossover, but, but us being from Sweden, people in Sweden love to sit on their sort of moral high horse and say that our law, our laws are the superior laws. Our customs are superior. Mm. This is what is moral period. And you don't, people don't quite understand that firstly, other countries, their laws are equally valid, even if we don't agree with them. Their customs are equally valid. But Sweden has had so much longer to progress. And people are just starting in so many countries to be exposed to values from other countries and to be introduced to other ways of thinking. So to expect the entire world to just adopt Western human rights values and those types of things immediately is not reasonable. So seeing the small steps that countries take or seeing that this law is part of a colonial legacy, for example, in much of Africa, then it's easier to understand that these aren't bad people just because this is what they believe or this is what they've been taught. It's just that this is the framework they grew up in. And now by us going there or by us vlogging about it even, we can show people from those places that there are good people from other countries that believe other things than you. And maybe let's just all try to accept each other. And eventually, you know, hopefully people do learn to accept more things. That's a very good point that you just made. People do not equal the governments of their countries at all. It's not a representation. When I was walking around the streets, you know, when Obama was president, when Trump is president, when Biden is president, that doesn't mean like everything that Trump says is what I feel at all. And I I think some people realize that some people don't. Some people will be like, oh, you're American. You think this or you're you're Swedish. You do this, which is just Mm -hmm. stereotyping and generalizing. But no, I think it's very important to know that people are just people, you know, even if they grew up in a 
crazy regime. Like if you're from Turkmenistan, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if you know much about that country. It's kind of like North Korea. You don't have much freedom. But as soon as you get inside someone's house and close the door and you enjoy a meal, which is what I did, it was fantastic. And jokes were said and the girls take off their hijabs and it was just wonderful. Iran's another great example. Like none of the women want to wear their hijab. You know, as soon as they go inside, they take it off. I think that if we if we bring this back to Sweden, we should remember that or I mean, looking at the U.S., Trump was elected there. Right. So there there was a case where many people don't agree with their government. So it's a great example to give people that. Do you agree with what your government believes here or what they're promoting? Because if you don't, then you know how it Mm -hmm. feels to live in many countries. And I mean, in much of Europe and Sweden as well, with the right-wing wave coming up or that we're currently in it's the same thing it's like your values can very clearly be separate from your government or from another portion of your population and that doesn't make you judge an entire western country so why do you judge another country by that you know like regardless if you live in a democracy or an autocratic state like everyone will always criticize like that's one of people's favorites favorite activities right is criticizing their government criticizing politicians so it doesn't really matter what kind of country you live in that's always what people do so like how do you take that and then color an entire country based off the leaders you know or laws or whatever else all really valid points and thank you guys for for bringing them up so what's next i mean brunei's canceled so are you anything in the next few weeks or just hanging out in sweden we're um, trying to hit 100 countries this year so that means we have eight more countries to go. Yes. Uh, but before that, tomorrow, we're actually going to uh, South Korea, where we actually live just like you did, but only for half a year uh, during college. So we're going there with two friends who have never been there before, and we're going to show them around, which is going to be so awesome. Let me know how Korea is like with COVID and if you have to wear a mask and if you have to get tested, because I really want to go back, but I'm... I, I want to avoid all those It seems nightmares. pretty strict still. Masks almost everywhere. PCR Not test when you land. outdoors, I think. Unless yeah. it's a crowded crowded area, whatever that means. Everything's crowded in Korea, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. And it's also, I mean, it's a similar culture to Japan and China in the sense that people, I assume 99% of Koreans will be wearing masks everywhere because they're kind of fine with that. So we'll be even more sort of outsiders than we already are <laughs> as as westerners going to korea uh, i don't know what your experience was living there but korea is so great we could do a whole nother podcast about korea but yeah i spent uh two years there in 2013 to 2015 right after college and it was oh. the best time of my life and i frequently think about korea and, and my wife diana loves korea and we've been there many times and We'll be back soon. So I hope you have a great trip. This has been an amazing chat. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed catching up and looking forward to staying in touch and hopefully seeing each other soon. Yeah, that would be Thank awesome. you so much for having us, Drew. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. It was so nice to meet you. And it's always so fun to talk to someone who is, I mean, is talking to someone who's so experienced. And yeah, it doesn't get better been, than this. <laughs> yeah, like usually you'll be like, oh, I have this story from this place or this story from that place. And people... People might have been to one of the places. You have literally been to every single place that we have been and more. So (laughs) it's just amazing to think the conversations that you can have. I was just about to say, like, let's chat outside of a podcast so we can just anything you want to know, share travel stories or advice for future countries. Just let me know. Thank you. Have a wonderful day and safe travels to Korea. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's good. (laughs) 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 안녕하세요.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode. If you feel inspired by this conversation, please share it with somebody who would enjoy listening. And if you're here for the first time, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Every week, I'm going to be looking through them and highlighting my favorite one. And with that all being said, I will see you guys next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.